Before I take a break, I will go to um, line number one and start and talk with Steve from Oakland. Steve, are you there? Yes. Hello, Pastor. How are you doing? I'm great. What's your thoughts, Steve? Um, it's a little off topic, um, but I was had a question regarding um, unconditional love. Uh huh. Um, so, biblically speaking, unconditional love is a fallacy for both um, God and us as humans. So, True. I just want to make I just want to make I just want to make sure my argument or my logic is um, is not flawed. And if it is, if you can kind of just point me in the right direction. Absolutely. So, um, if if God does have unconditional love, would it be safe to say that we do not need a savior? Absolutely. Um, uh, again, unconditional love is another one of those uh, emotional terms that um, entered into the church many decades ago. And then it was propagandized by every uh, evangelical preacher trying to draw, draw people to Jesus by an oxymoronic phrase, an oxymoronic term. Love by nature is not unconditional. Love by nature is filled with conditions, filled with um, standards, filled with um, expectations. Even when we say love does not rejoice in iniquity, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's conditional. Love does not, um, you know, boast itself. That's conditional. Love uh, does a lot of things and love does not do a lot of things. Love certainly does not love hate. That's conditional. And when God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he didn't say God so loved the world that he, got, he, gave, his only, that he gave his only begotten son to let us do whatever we want to. The conditionality on that great verse is that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we won't perish. If we don't believe, we will perish. Love is not unconditional. And this is what you're seeing in your Bible. This is so very important. Our salvation is predicated upon the conditions that God himself met in the person of Jesus for our sins. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Those were conditions he had to meet in order for God to even offer us his love. And in addition to that, Steve, if that love is going to be felt, known, and enjoyed as the security of our eternal destiny, we must believe it. He that believe it shall be saved. He that does not believe will be damned. That love is radically conditional and we need to actually recover a sound understanding of redemptive love, biblical love, if we're going to help human beings overcome the tragedy of a kind of secular syrupy love that doesn't correspond with truth. The other thing about that, and I'm going to let you go because I got a break, if men and women perceive God's love as being um, unconditionally permissive, they have no reason to fear God. They have no reason to fear God. And God is to be feared. His love is to be reverenced. His love is to be honored because his love is not to be taken for granted. His love is not to be neglected. His love is not to be distorted or relegated to something that is something that God owes us. Men and women better come to a proper understanding of the enormous mercy of a God who is able to present his love to us in the conditions of faith in what his son did in making it possible for us to have eternity with God for all for all time. Listen, 
listen, thank you for the call. Anyone who wants to talk about unconditional love, I love to take it up. But first, think about it. Got to pay a bunch of bills. I'll be right back. On Smart Speakers and the Odyssey. San Francisco, A service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters reporting an investigation into the origins of the FBI's probe into ties between Russia and Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign has finally been concluded. The prosecutor leading the inquiry has submitted a much-awaited report that found major flaws. It's the culmination of a four-year investigation into possible misconduct. It contained withering, withering criticism for the FBI. Authorities say at least three people were killed and several others, including two police officers, were wounded Monday in a northwestern New Mexico community before law enforcement shot and killed the 18-year-old suspect. Farmington Police Department said on Facebook that shootings occurred at around 11 a.m. in or near a park in the city, which is home to about 50,000 people. More details at srnnews.com. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 6.08 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We've got um, a good 45 minutes to continue talking. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. And for those of you who are privileged to listen to me as you hear me unpack scripture, I've been talking about these things for a long time. Um, We have been in a takeover of our minds for many, many decades. In other words, we have been seeded with falsehood and error, uh, even among the Christian church, where we have not detected when we have bought into uh, contradictions and um, and false ideas and false propositions such as unconditional love. It's the, the, the proposition unconditional love are so mutually exclusive in terms of the meaning of the terms uh, that is, it's hard to even uh, know where to begin. When you, when you think about the nature of God as being love, you know that God is not permissive. You know that God is not unrighteous. You know that God is not unholy. You know that God is not unmerciful. So God has always operated with humanity on the grounds of conditions. I mean, his love is laid out before us to obtain, but conditions are always predicated. Think about Israel. I taught our church this yesterday. Israel is brought out of Egypt by the love of God demonstrated in the power to destroy Pharaoh and his army. Israel is complaining to God constantly through the wilderness. And by the time they make it to the promised land, Everybody 40 years and up was killed. To whom was to whom did God express anger towards, as the Hebrew writer put it? But those who rebelled in the wilderness against whom his wrath burned. Now, these are the same people that he brought out that he ended up destroying in the wilderness. You cannot tell me that God's love was unconditional. It was conditional. Very much so. As he said to Hosea, I will love them no more. These were all rooted in his 
covenant given to Israel. And it was very much conditional. If you obey me, I will bless you. As he says in Proverbs chapter eight, they, I love them that love me. Now you're getting a picture of the true God. And this is so important because we live in a culture where we have been lied to on so many levels. We're being lied to today that a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man. This is not new. This is what the Bible plainly said. A man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman and a woman shall not put on that which pertains to a man. God is true. And image bearers of God need to walk in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And, 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 and no lie is of the truth. This is the work of the devil. So when we are teaching things that go contrary to the nomenclature and normal uh, presentation of the church, sometimes the church is flat out wrong. And you and I need to know that and adjust our doctrine and adjust our teaching so it can correspond to what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 15, speaking the truth in love that we might grow up in all things into him. That's really what's going on here. And imagine the world we are turning into because of all the lies and and falsehood and mythological and uh, fantasy language and and uh, and ideas that we're studying for. Look at what we're being turned into. Nowhere near what God would have us to be. Let me go to line number two and talk with Dave from Hayward. Line number two, Dave, are you there? If Dave is not there on line number two. Okay, we'll do it with Rob. I guess he's on line four. Rob, what's going on? <clears throat> Hi, sir. Thank, thank you, Pastor, for taking my call. Really appreciate that. Yes. So, yeah, I was actually at the rally at Las Cecitas, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the protest at Las Cecitas myself. Uh, David's cool. a really great guy. I'm really grateful for him and his mom uh, setting that up for us. And like like you were saying earlier, we both were saying this is really you know, designed to, on both fronts, to just to, to not allow free speech, to not allow this to be discussed. <laughs> And, and to, you know, for us to be able to, to show the, the opposition that, no, this is wrong. We shouldn't be sexualizing our kids. And, of course, the other front of that is, is yeah, to start introduction. This really is a, the whole drag queen story hour. To, it is designed to groom, to sexualize them, and to confuse them, to, like you were saying, to, to say, yeah, a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. And, you know, it's okay to, to you know, view, view this a little bit of sexuality. And then tomorrow, guess what else is okay? You know, it, it really is just a... A really horrific thing that's going on in our culture, and, and I'm glad that we have people uh, like yourself and David that that stand up and go, no, 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 we no, you don't get to do this to our community, to our nation. No, this is wrong, and you know, I'm immensely grateful for that. No, and I'm thankful for you even calling because we've got thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, I'm sure, listening to us even now, Rob. And this conversation has to occur. Um, what I stated in my opening monologue, you you didn't catch it probably, but what we're dealing with as an overarching objective globally is a eugenics program of depopulation. And that depopulation is not only um, sort of the consequence of existential threats at the level of, let's say, biological warfare, which is a real factor going on. Many of us believe that's what has occurred with us with this whole COVID thing now that Fauci has been caught being a major mm-hmm. component uh, of the gain of function. Now, I hope people hurry up and wake up to that reality. But <clears throat> when you can when you can begin to uh, implement in your culture the Toweba Uh, prohibitive laws of Leviticus 18 through 22, where God said strictly 
forbidding his own people to engage in those behaviors that are called nakedness. Uh, a man shall not look on the nakedness of his daughter. That That is what we would call incest. Um, uh, a man shall not sleep with another man. That's called homosexuality. A woman shall not sleep with another woman as you would a man. That's called lesbianism. A woman shall not lie down with an animal. That's called bestiality. You shall not take your children and offer them to Moloch. That is what's going on with our abortion uh, slaughterhouse. And to sexualize our little kids is what was prominent in Jesus' day and before in the Roman Empire, Greek culture, and almost every culture that never ever came to a knowledge of the true and the living God in Yahweh um, have always sacrificed the children for their sexual pleasures. We are returning again to the Canaanite culture. And if our world doesn't pick up on this, the only thing we can expect is God's judgment to increase. So we gotta have the conversation. We gotta talk mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. We gotta share this truth. And we gotta protect our kids, Rob. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I don't mean to, I, I, I kind of half agree with you. I did catch your opening monologue on eugenics. I don't necessarily concur with you that they're using eugenics to control the number of people around, but I do agree with you that they are absolutely using it to control the type of people they want around. Uh, no, no, with 100% in accordance with what, exactly what you just said. No, you and I agree. I agree that you are nuancing, but it's not an either or. This is a both end. You cannot, you cannot uh, have a, a superior group of people without bleeding down and reducing humanity. So, if you and I were to have an extended conversation about, you know, who it is within the eugenics community that is seeking to preserve their own ostensive superior race. Uh, mm. And we could have that conversation. What we would have to know is that in order to manage that, you have to reduce the population. You have to. And and that's called the law of attrition. So I would encourage you to you know flesh that out. But that's what I'm seeing going on. I think at some point you'll be able to pick up on that as well, because why would people want to destroy anybody other than for the personal preservation of themselves, if you know what I mean? I do. I mean, I can't disagree with you on on definitely population trends right now, considering this topic of essentially turning people away from just natural pro uh, natural yes. for creating more people, and as well as the abortion topic and just yes. the sacrifice that's going on, or just sacrificing children to their own existence. Really, um, no. I, I like I said, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, you know, I yeah, and yeah. but yeah, you, you, you're absolutely proving yourself right there. You're, you're right. They they are attempting to make this a conversation about oh, it's just you know, it's it feels good. So how can it be wrong? But yet right. you're right. They're just kind of dismissing the whole notion of, well, wait a minute. This is what God designed us to do. Or, or if you want to take it to them on a more personal level, if you want to omit, I mean, I'm not suggesting to omit God, but if you want to tailor the argument to, well, didn't nature design us to uh, to pro, to to reproduce, to create children, you know, whatever the conversation is comfortable with. I, of course, side with you and say, no, God designed us to do this. Why are you what to what good are you doing uh, trying? Trying to convince us that the opposite is true, and a man should lie with a man, or a woman should lie with a woman, or or mutilate themselves so they can't reproduce, so they, to make them sterile. Yeah, no, I, I like I said, I, I I do agree with you on that aspect, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
No, that's good. No, no, remarkable. We're going to be having this conversation uh, more because if you've ever listened to me, I'm often in front of the main narrative because I do so much research and I know where we're going. We're going to the mainstream that is running all of this because they have a they have a worldview of wanting to be a superior community over a slave status of people. That's that just makes sense as a, a worldview. We know that, you know, the powerful have always wanted to dominate it the less powerful and that's what we're looking at here listen thanks rob you got a you got a good head on your shoulders gotta take a break pay some bills way overdue i'll be right back and now back to lifeline two lines open if you want to join the conversation on the monday edition of lifeline with your host jesse gistan one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine it's exodus chapter two that's all you have to do Let's go to Exodus chapter two, because your Bible actually lays out models. It's like Exodus one. It, it lays out models of how the world behaves. There's nothing new going on uh, except its um, advancement in technology. And, and we're going to even be explaining here shortly, not on this program, but in time to come, how that artificial intelligence is simply a manifestation of the beast system. I'll be explaining that in the near future as well. Um, but in Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter one, it was the children of Israel in the days of the Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, who was afraid of the growth of the children of Israel. And so he put out a campaign of, of, of uh, genocide to wipe them out because he was afraid that they were going to <clears throat> grow in number so large that they would join the enemies of the Egyptians. And according to the literal text, set themselves free. Now, whenever you have ruling powers in the world like we have, they always think they have a right to dictate the parameters of our existence. They're always dealing with numbers. The Babylonians dealt with numbers. The Medo-Persians dealt with numbers. The the Grecians dealt with numbers. The Roman Empire dealt with numbers. It is the nature of the birth of Christ, the, the um, <clears throat> incarnation of Christ in the book of Luke, where um, the Roman Empire is doing census. Why? Because people are numbers. People are consumer items for countries to use and then to discard. And whenever, whenever there's too many people in a nation, as the elite would surmise, guess what they want to do? curtail groups of people. I can tell you, I can go on for a long time. They've been trying to do that to the African nations forever. And particularly Big Pharma, along with Bill Gates and others, have been trying to destroy the African community through pharmaceuticals for many, many decades. You guys already know this. And the notion that eight to 10 billion people are way too many people on the planet, as Bill Gates has explicitly stated, is the height of arrogance, asserting that you know what can bring about a catastrophic uh, imbalance in terms of our ecosystem uh, societally. How arrogant are the elite to make that assertion and then to go on a campaign of such uh, maniacal and, and diabolical levels as to want to manage us out of existence by all of the means we're talking about now, whether it be abortion, whether it be drugs, whether it be war, the, the law of attrition and war has always played a role in wiping out people groups. 
Please understand, we are in a spiritual war. I am talking about the four horsemen, at least three of them, of the apocalypse. All right, let's go to line number, let's see here. We'll we'll go to line number three and talk with Leslie from San Francisco. Then we'll catch Ken on line one. Leslie, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? I can. Okay, thank you, Pastor Jesse. Um, yes. I'm following up on a topic you discussed several <laughs> weeks ago, that in our government we need more people that are competent, that are there for the right reasons. Uh, they're not beholden to special interest groups. And they answer to God and not to a government and not to a political party. So uh, Tom Wong, who is a candidate for supervisor in Alameda County, and I, we are having a meeting this Thursday for people that are would like to explore whether they are they can be a candidate for public office in the 2024 elections, as well as people that are interested in supporting candidates. So we'll talk about things such as, are you a good fit for a candidate? What does it take to be a candidate? And what are the offices that are up for election in 2024? So what it sounds like you're doing, you guys are doing, is um, trying to help American citizens, uh, particularly California citizens, be more responsible, be more participatory in our union, as our founding fathers said we should be, because we need to be able to cycle out uh, longstanding politicians who have the wrong motive for the good of our people. Um, and you guys are doing uh, a kind of clinic or farm or um, a training session. I think that's what you're calling it. Um, can you tell me Leslie, where that will be and what time it will be? Yes, it's this Thursday, May 18th, mm-hmm. at the San Leandro Public Library in the trustees' room. And that address is 300 Estudio uh, Avenue. And it's at 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. 6 to 8 p.m. At, yeah. 6 to 8 p.m. at the San Leandro Library. That sounds really interesting. And you guys are going to be hopefully drawing enough. Will this be a one-time event or will you guys be doing this uh, repeatedly? So we're, we're going to be doing it uh, regularly because we, if, if more people don't run that are uh, conservative and uh, of faith, nothing's going to change. I agree. I agree. And so this one will be this uh, this Thursday at three at uh, at six to eight p.m. at the San Leandro Library. That's off Escadillo. I know where that one is. Is there a name for this gathering, or do you have a, like a, uh, oh, a, yes. a title? We're calling it a yeah. We're calling it a star search. Got it. We're talking and about a star make, search. Yeah, on, you can't make it. Um, our email is info at Tom Wong, that's T-O-M-W-O-N-G-U-S-A dot com. And we'll keep you in touch on when the next one, next meeting is, or we'll just meet with you uh, separately. Yes, I'm sure that people, some of those people got that. Do me a favor and email that information to me as well. That sounds like a great uh, public service event. I sure am going to be praying for a lot of people to come out and hopefully we can get some traction on that. Because you're right, Leslie, historically, that's the only way that we have ever turned um, 
turned a political condition around. And and the um, unfortunately, uh, the um, the longtime leaders of our, our state, these uh, career politicians expect the people on the ground not to get involved. And as long as you don't get involved, then nothing has to change. Nothing has to change. Exactly. You're so absolutely right about that. So we're going to pray to that end and hope you guys have a great, great turnout. And um, I'll, 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 uh, I'll look forward to being uh, somewhat of a, a help for that. Hope this program would do that. Thank you for the call, Leslie. Thank you, Let's Pastor move. Jesse. All right, blessings. We're going to take a break. I got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven, and we're not we're not advocating what you should be um, in, in these meetings. You can be whatever you want to, but you're gonna have to be good. You're gonna have to be right. You're gonna have to be uh, competent and capable and able. That's though you know. I don't care what position it is. You can be a dog catcher for the city. You still got to be a righteous dog catcher. You got to be a righteous, you know, garbage collector. You got to be a righteous uh, uh, grocery store clerk. We've got to do better. Uh, We've got to do better. Otherwise, we will give artificial intelligence every right to take over because we're too stupid and too ignorant and too indifferent to care about each other um, at the level of thriving in our lives. So I'll try to repeat some of that information. Going to take a break. Three lines open. one 367 one Let's talk about it. And now back to Lifeline. Yes, we are. The time is 636. <clears throat> Two more segments to go. one 367 one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to join us in the conversation, love to have you. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. You're listening to your host Jesse Gistan. Let's go to line one and talk with Ken from San Jose. Ken, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, um, Pastor Gistan. So, um, related to your uh, mention of eugenics um, in your monologue, I was. Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, a very important um, presentation we saw this weekend at Calvary Church where we has, where um, Dr. Naomi Wolf took advantage of the of the court-ordered um, documents released by Pfizer in, in the tens of thousands, which showed that they proved that, proved that they knew the tremendous adverse effects of the vaccine soon after it was rolled out, especially the effects on women, and uh, she called it a 360-degree a focus on human reproduction so that, for example, the, the uh, lipid nanoparticles, which are industrial fat coated in petroleum, which are part of the vaccine, they transverse every membrane, including the placenta, including the membranes of the, of the uh, female reproductive system such that it's affected, you know, uh, they've covered it up, of course, as best they could, but still, you, uh, the uh, vaccine adverse effects are according to the system has shown that 70, 74% of the reportings were uh, about women having adverse effects and uh, showed that, uh, you know, they, they, the important thing was that um, they knew about it and, and lied about it and covered it up, especially this woman, Rachel Walensky, who was forced to resign, I think, by the, by the, by the heroic efforts of Dr. Naomi Wolf. I don't have the website, but you could Google her. And she you know, presented a, a um, you know proof of these tremendous um, uh, impact of this. She called it the greatest um, the greatest crime against humanity ever committed. 
Naomi Wolf is one of my patron heroes in this whole battle that we've been fighting for the last three years. Ken, as you know, you know, we've been on point on that here um, yeah. for, for myself. Uh, Naomi was one of the early uh, whistleblowers when she got the data and she understood the correlation of things that I'm talking about now. She understood that what we we're dealing with is population control. Uh, she understood the hint of it in terms of eugenics as well, because population control, control anywhere around the world is rooted in a false assumption that one group of people is better than the other and they have a right to annihilate them. And once she saw the data that, as you are rightly asserting, Pfizer already knew it. They already knew it, as did AstraZeneca and, and Moderna as well. They knew in their pretrial uh, stages that these uh, jabs were not vaccines and that the uh, the lipid nanoparticles are intrinsically toxic. And, um, and they knew the impact upon women's reproductive organs. This is where Dr. Michael Yeadon, also who is an ex Pfizer executive blew the whistle and said, hey, this will this will greatly curtail not only women's health, but the production of children. This is why I said earlier, we have already had a uh, a massive scale down of, uh, of births, not only in America, but around the world because of this jab and uh, grotesque manifestations of hemorrhaging and and uh, deformalities and and all kinds of other things emerging because of this experimentation. It is monstrous what has gone on and it continues to happen as, as you stated. Um, this is not new for many of us. And again, uh, you know, Naomi Wolf is is just brilliant. She's very thoughtful, very very sound in her her analysis. She was she did a great presentation, Ken, with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson about three weeks ago with a book that she just brought out. She just published as well, um, seeking to warn the public about what's going on. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm going to try to catch up with her through the value values advocacy um, uh, group uh, w- uh, website. Hopefully I can catch that presentation that you guys did over at Calvary uh, this this last Saturday. Um, and, you know, we got to keep up the good work. We got to keep pressing in. Uh, we only lose when we don't stand. If we stand, we win. If we speak, we certainly win. And uh, and more and more power to her. I'll give you the last word before I let you go. Okay, that's right. Sure, um, I, I totally agree. And um, it is on the we listen to it on the website, so it's there. You know the uh, presentation. And um, it's I don't know what I can say. Just uh, you know the the depth of it and the and the power of it is something we've got to publicize and get into people's heads because they're brainwashed. Right. Now, what's going to happen, just because I got three minutes before the break, so I'll just use you as a uh, sounding board, Um, because I'm looking at this not only from a prophetic standpoint, because I've been warning us about many things for the last 20 years since 9-11, apostasy in the church, departure from the truth, um, a nation being sold out to global interests, goals 2000 goals, Agenda 21. We've been talking about these things. We've been talking about the Council for Foreign Relations. They are a big element in structuring uh, geopolitical um, agendas 
um, now the World Economic Forum, uh, the major pharmaceutical industries and their billions and billions of dollars in lawsuits after they have destroyed the lives of men and women. One one is a loss for words when you think about how obvious it is if you just do a FOIA Act, uh, you know, Freedom of Information Act and go and see how many people these pharmaceuticals have injured with their their drugs as well as with the uh, vaccines. One day we're going to end up having the real conversation about what is the most patent propaganda lie that dominates the medical industry. The most patent propaganda lie that dominates the medical industry, Ken, is that vaccines are safe and effective. That is the most patent propaganda lie dominating the medical industry. And most doctors don't even know that they're perpetuating a lie. And, and um, Naomi, will she will affirm this, as will all of the other good doctors, um, uh, Simone Gold, um, Pierre Corey, all of those guys, Peter McCullough, Dr. Malone, but particularly the ones that have been wrestling with the regulatory agencies, Dr. Kiriati, uh, Budachara, all of those guys know that behind the scenes, the regulatory agencies have controlled the medical industry at the level of big pharma because it's a prostitution for money and they get to write up all of the trials and they grant bogus trials, trials that are gained, trials that are modified, trials that are distorted. The reason why uh, Rochelle Walensky is leaving is because she knew the data that she had was faulty in relationship to the stuff she was saying publicly to the media. She knew the data was flawed. She knew the data could not prove that the jabs were safe nor effective. The data was not developed that way. It was only developed to give some kind of mild relief. And we don't even believe that 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 it did that. We believe that it has done more harm than good. And until we have that conversation across the nation uh, at the highest levels of government, people are going to still think that they have a right, uh, that they that it's a good thing to line up and get the get the jabs. And in reality, we are creating more problems for ourselves than we ever have by um, by by vaccination. America is the leading country suffering the most from medical malfeasance and medical injury, especially in relationship to the vaccines. And uh, our media is complicit in this lie and they need to be held accountable as well. Listen, man, thank you for the call. Got to take a hard break. All the lines are open. one 367 All the lines are open. If you don't call, I'll just talk to you about what you don't know for the next 10 minutes until this program closes off. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are. We've got about eight minutes in our segment. I do want to say before I go to Catherine um, that we will be having one more rules of engagement marriage class. You guys are welcome to join us. Um, We're going to have a great turnout. We're going to have a great time talking about biblical masculinity and uh, biblical femininity, um, how we express ourselves in relationship to everyone, especially in the context of marriage, it's critical that we know how to be men and how to be women and what characteristics are dominantly masculine and dominantly feminine and what characteristics we share are, are going to be critical and, and what that means at the emotional level. 
because when we're talking about masculine, feminine, we are talking about regulating and managing our emotions. If you and I can be traumatized to have unregulated emotions, we can find ourselves being masculine when we should be feminine and being feminine when we should be masculine. And I really do believe that this conversation is at the heart of why so much is going on in terms of uh, gender dysphoria. But come check us out. It's this Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Rules of Engagement number our third class. Let's go to Catherine from San Jose on line number one. Catherine, are you there? Hello, um, Pastor Jesse. Um, I don't want to take away from the conversation that you're having about uh, this this plan that the that the elites have have had for us. But could you explain um, what Matthew twenty four forty means by when it says then shoot then two shall be in the field the one shall be taken and the other left where right. where are these people taken to and and is that the rapture or no not? yes great question no it's not the rapture uh that's <clears throat> that that unfortunately that is not the rapture what what jesus is talking about in that text was fulfilled in AD 70 when the Roman Empire came in, as he said, and utterly dis- devastated Israel and destroyed the temple and demolished it as Josephus and Tacitus and others have explicitly laid out. And what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24, which is a warning to all of us about the suddenness of judgment, the suddenness of judgment. The idea of taken means that you got caught in the judgment. Like the proverb says, the wicked are like fish that are taken in an evil net at a time that they know not. Taken is not where, but but how. They were taken in judgment. Do you know this? Because the others were left, meaning that when uh, Tat, when, uh, when Vespasian sent his son Titus to destroy Jerusalem, they didn't completely wipe them out. They left some to be slaves uh, in the land of Jerusalem, as was the case with the Babylonians when they came into Israel 589 BC, 601 BC, and ultimately destroyed Jerusalem in 587, 586 BC. They wiped them out, deported many of the Judites, but left some of them to the land. Here taken means that they were killed, they were slaughtered in the judgment. This has nothing to do with the rapture. The rapture uh, concept does not take place in Matthew 24. It takes place in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 17 and following. So when we understand taken here, this is why when the disciples said, where, Lord, Jesus says, wheresoever the eagles are gathered, there will the carcass be. That's the way that Jesus actually sums up that warning in the text, wheresoever the eagles are gathered. And the eagles in that context, that's verse 28, is referring to the Roman Empire. This was the ensign on their banners as they marched in by their legions of soldiers into a city to destroy it. You would see the banner of the Roman empires for wheresoever the carcass is, that is the dead bodies, there will the eagles be gathered. So some people who rejected Jesus's warning were taken in the judgment. 
Like in the days of Noah, when Noah told the people for over a hundred years, the judgment is coming. They were taken in the judgment and destroyed. Noah and his eight souls were covered in the ark. They were left. And after a whole year of uh, the flood, they came out of the ark and repopulated the earth. So in this context, taken means taken in judgment. The, the carcasses is a metaphor for the overwhelming slaughter of your adversaries in war, which is what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 19 will happen when he returns again and destroys every nation that opposes him, when he returns in power and glory to set the matters straight as our world comes towards an end. So sadly, um, Tim LaHaye and others with the late great, uh, with, with the Left Behind series have asserted that this is what that text means. It does not mean that. First Thessalonians chapter four, around verse 17 or so, um, the Lord shall descend with the voice of the archangel uh, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they that are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpezo is the Greek term in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The harpezo is the snatching up, the taking up. That's not the term there in Matthew 24. That is not the Greek term harpezo. Harpezo is used in Acts chapter eight concerning uh, Stephen after he pre Philip rather after he preached to the Ethiopian eunuch he was taken up by the spirit and was found in uh, in another region. Uh, the term is used again, like I stated, for um, Paul being caught up to the third heavens. Harpazo, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Harpezo is not used in Matthews 24. That language is about being caught in the net of a judgment because they didn't listen to Jesus when he says, when you see the abomination that make it desolate, standing in the temple, flee to the mountains. And many Jews disregarded the prophecy, but many Christians heeded the prophecy and they fled to Pella, which was several miles away, and they escape the judgment to live to tell it another day. <clears throat> For us, the application is this. Any given day, you and I can be taken in the judgment. For it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. And every day, some groups of people are taken in some kind of catastrophe or another. People are taken in war. They're taken in sickness. And to be taken simply means that you are not ready when that judgment comes. If a man or a woman is a true believer in Christ, they can't be taken in judgment. That is to say the final damnation because Christ paid for our judgment. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believes on him that sent me shall have everlasting life and will never come into judgment. Humanity will be taken in the net of judgment and will have to stand before the great white throne of Revelation chapter 20, verse uh, 12 through 15. But the believer won't. The believer will sit in judgment with Jesus to Christ and rule over the world when he returns uh, and, and rule over angels and devils and, and judge men, as the scripture tells us in First Corinthians. So we won't be taken if we believe. But if we don't believe, you and I have no idea when that time may come. And uh, and that's what Jesus was warning as a good shepherd. He was letting them know to understand the signs of the times. 
And we've got some dark days you and I are living in as well. There's no doubt about it. We're living in some dark days, but you don't have to worry about some kind of secret rapture. All that's phony. That's not theologically sound at all. When Jesus comes, he's coming like the lightning from the east to the west. And everybody knows when lightning shows up. That's not a secret thing. If you and I want to be secure, let us trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us rest in his grace. Let us live soberly and righteously in this present world. Let us be circumspect for the days are evil and uh, he will protect us and keep us from falling and present us before the presence of his glory. He certainly will. And we're glad about it. Lord, just give us grace to tell the truth. Live for your honor. Exalt. Jesus as the only way, the truth, and the life. Until next time, God bless you.